Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narky Skolan, passed away three months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak nor understand the language. He will be taken away from the only family he has ever known. And please call Governor Hochul, New York State, at 518-474-8390. And please voice your concerns to keep Bradley here in the United States. Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. I do have a return guest. I have Deborah Hunter back on. She was last on the podcast January 3rd, 2023. Three, season four, episode three, where she spoke out on her son's case, CPS racism at its finest. Now, she was talking about her son's journey with Alicia and their baby, Miles, who was born at 34 weeks. The baby was then absconded by CPS shortly after Alicia's passing from a brief illness. Miles was then legally kidnapped, taken away from the father and put into foster care. Now, on several occasions when the father has gone for visitations, Miles has had a bruised lip, bronchitis, respiratory infections, swollen feet, and diaper rash, and then had to have tubes put in his ears, as well as on another visit, Miles had a cut or a wound in his skin after the father removed the diaper. And I'm very sorry about this, uh, Deborah Hunter, but where are you at with your case right now? Good morning, everyone. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, oh, boy. Um, so we went to court on January 5th. Uh, that was our last court date before I left Oklahoma. Um, at that time, uh, Judge Corley spoke and uh, said that there would be a, a return date on March the 3rd, get my words right here. Uh, excuse me, on March the 2nd, at which time uh, my son went to court in front of Judge Corley. And uh, they went from going over the previous um, hearings to the present time. Um, at this point, they're in. They're trying to process termination of my son's rights to his son and uh, put him in permanency with the uh, Alicia's brother and sister-in-law. So we got a continuance to May the 22nd. And I'm so excited because at this time, Todd now will have his jury trial. And this is something that he's been asking for since the beginning of this process to have a jury trial. So now on uh, May 22nd, uh, there will be a jury selection and then they will continue from there. Um, I don't know of any other dates at this particular time. So I spoke to uh, what happened on, um, on March the 2nd. I wasn't there, I'm back in New York. I came back July the 13th, 
um, since that, uh, re since my return, then uh, Miles had been had an accident again on um, February 9th when I sent my son went to visit him. Uh, the foster care mom said, oh, this happened yesterday. He's got this swollen, this scar over the left side of his face, uh, around his eye. Um, and these cuts are that he's receiving at this present time, uh, they're gonna be permanent on his face. So it, I'm a little concerned. So uh, at that visitation, because I always, Todd always sets it up so that I can see Miles uh, during the visit. And I was asking the caseworker, I said, so what's going on? What did, what did the doctor say about this incident with Miles? He says, well, the foster mom said that he hit his face on the table. That's not a table hit. Mm -hmm. um, then it turned into, well, he hit his face on the dresser. So which is it, the table or the dresser? Uh -huh. So then I asked um, Mr. Rhodes, I said, so, okay. So she took him to the ER and what did they do? And he will examine him. Um, the doctor said, if there's no any, if there's not any further swelling of the face or fever, or if he says that he has a headache, what one year old in this world that anybody knows of, and please tell me if you do know, that can say, I have a headache. I need an aspirin. What right. one year old? I mean, I know these COVID new babies, they're doing different things, you know, out of the norm of what we're used to seeing our new babies do. But I don't think they're talking and asking for an aspirin saying I have a headache. So anyway, let's move on. So that day, uh, my son was really upset. And I asked Mr. Rose, well, are they going to do an MRI? Are they going to do some further testing? Because now this is like the third time he's hit his head. The tissues are still soft. The bones are still soft in the skull. Any little fracture can happen. Uh, Mr. Rose told me, no, the doctor said he's just fine. So I says, okay. So of course I filed, I, I called, well, I called the police department mm -hmm. that day. Uh, they directed me to they hung up on me. And so then I called the sheriff's department. They hung up on me. So then I called DHS mm -hmm. and uh, I spoke with a very nice young lady. I explained to her that this has to stop. This is now my fourth complaint to your agency. And I'm being told with the other ones, either it's um, uh, no reason for them to go out to check it out or it's just fine. That's not the legal terminology. I can't think of it right now. Mm -hmm. But I made such a stink about the director of DHS. Um, I talked about Mr. Holenshell. I requested a meeting. The last time I was in Oklahoma, I requested a meeting to meet with Mr. Holenshell, Ms. Burdock, the supervisor, Mr. Carl Andy Rhodes, the social worker, Todd, and myself to tell me why my grandchild is still in this woman's care being assaulted. Mm -hmm. So I'm still waiting. So um, like I said, we have a continuous date from that. So the outcome of my um, 
when I filed for custody, temporary custody for my grandson, and my documents came back stating that um, I was not eligible for, uh, they denied me for the uh, custody of Miles for this reason. Um, wait a minute. I got the wrong paper. But anyway, they denied me because I said in my statement that all I want to do is get my grandson uh, and Todd out of Oklahoma, get my grandson to New York. And because I didn't say Miles would be coming with me to New York and Todd would be going back to the home and in, in, to their land in North Carolina, they denied me the custody. Hmm. So, and then they say that I cannot... Um, appeal it, but I'm going to appeal it anyway. I've just been really tired because this trip was really so exhausting mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I had to come back home to my grandson here and take care of things here with him. So it is a lot going on. Um, hey, Deb, what was their reason for not letting you appeal? Because you're always allowed to appeal, uh, I thought. They just said on the application, it just says, um, once a decision has been made, you are not eligible to reapply for kinship. And I can't really believe that that's true. That can't possibly, you can't stop me from doing that. So you can't have kinship? It, say that- The custody. I, hmm. Then you can't appeal. That, that like makes no sense. It doesn't. I mean, why would you, because of a statement that I said, everything else on that application checked out fine. Everything. Mm -hmm. But the crazy part is nobody never interviewed any of my people that I had on the list for contact. Okay. Nobody came to my home to, you know, see how, what my lifestyle is like. Mm hmm you know, if it is a, a, a acceptable place for miles to come to, if it, the house is, if the apartment is safe. I have a one bedroom apartment. It's a large apartment. I mean, it's not like he's a grown person. He's going to be walking around. He needs space. He's a baby. Mm -hmm. So I have plenty of room for crib and here and everything that he will need uh, as his process happens until things get better. Mm -hmm. But they deny me. They just straight out deny me. In the application, they lied about my grandson uh, that's here with me, uh, which I have to take that up, uh, I believe, um, with civil court saying that, uh, uh, you know, Corey has been here with me and um, he's had some um, behavioral issues, which he has because a lot has gone on for him and all of this taking of the children back in 2020 uh, on their land at gunpoint with assault rifles and they were, all the children were all were gone for seven days. That's horrific mm -hmm. to have to go that and then have to travel to Oklahoma to try to ret retrieve the Vic Five uh, with a court order. It was just a lot. So in this application that Mr. Rose wrote up, he told a lie on Corey and said that my grandson is autistic. Corey has never been autistic, never in his whole life. So that's a lie. So if you're going to lie about things like that and try to defame someone's character, uh, when the time comes for him to get a job or oh, go to school yeah. or whatever, and they see this information in his uh, in his uh, applications or whatever, that's not good. So I have to get that straight now. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
Uh, also, uh, they want to give Miles to Alicia's brother and his wife. Uh, but in the process on December the 14th, they made a post. Welcome baby Miles to the family. Um, he's now with DJ, who is Alicia's brother. Well, we saw Miles on December 15th. Mm. So how is it at all possible that you have him? And so they have a GoFundMe a cash app to get money. Um, they want all kind of baby items, diapers, and they have a whole list of things um, in this uh, post that they made. I, I don't know if it was on Instagram or just uh, a messaging to the family, but we started getting phone calls. Well, where's Miles? We thought Miles was retired. And I'm like, yes, he's still in Oklahoma. He's still in foster care. So to me, that's intent to commit fraud. Because you're trying to retrieve monies and items for someone that is not in your care. So these are the people that you want my grandson to go to. Mm -hmm. They tell lies straight out the gate. I'm not accepting that. So I'm going to investigate that as well. So in my process of speaking to um, DHS, uh, when I call the hotline and I explain to the young lady, I need to speak to someone higher up in your office. I need to speak to the director of the state or whoever runs your organization. I don't want to talk to no other person now in Payne County. Mm -hmm. So she took all my information. She says, okay. So Wednesday, February 22nd, I get a phone call and I'm like, okay, I think I need to answer this because it's an Oklahoma number. And I answered the call and sure enough, it was Mr. Hohenshell, the director of uh, Payne County. Uh, DHS or CPS. I, I'm sorry, how do I spell his name? It's capital H-O-E-N-S-H-E-L-L. -L. Okay. And his first name is Justin. Okay. So he has been back and forth, our conversation, he's been back and forth uh, in the very begin beginning with Todd and Alicia. Um, having conversations with Todd, I explained to him that because of your people going to Alicia back in January, uh, the day, a week after she had her baby, had a C-section and your people, Miss Armstrong and uh, a lady by the name of Miss um, uh, Olson went in that girl's room and harassed her. That was harassment. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? And someone is not well. So it started with them. And then it trickled over to Amanda LaHue, who started all this commotion out there in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. uh, lying about the, the weight of miles, the time of which he was born. Uh, they said he was born at 30 weeks. He was not born at 30 weeks. Um. He was born at 32 weeks. We was trying to get him to 34 weeks, but he couldn't make it mm -hmm. because Alicia was just too sick. But he was born a healthy baby. There was mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that child until he left his father's arms and went to foster care. All my son was doing was giving him donated breast milk. Mm -hmm. I know I'm repeating myself, but this is the issue. Donated breast milk, 
and he was putting coconut oil in it to fortify and enhance his strength. So uh, that seems to be an issue with them, but they were saying he wasn't feeding them at all. He's failure to thrive. Uh, you know, saying that he lost weight. It's just um, a lot of lies have been taking place. Miss mm-hmm. uh, uh, Brandy Watts, the um, nurse practitioner, she's been in, worked in the NICU for 13, 14 years before she started doing what she's doing now. So therefore, you know, a baby cannot come home until he's at least four pounds. You know, a baby has to be able to suck, to -hmm. take the bottle and all of these different things. They have to be able to poop. As I said earlier on, they had a big poop party in Mm -hmm. the NICU because he, you know, went to the bathroom on his own. Mm -hmm. So there's things that the baby has to do. The temperature has to be right before they can even leave that hospital. He was good to go. So why would you think that he just wasn't doing these things when you took him? So um, I spoke, had a long conversation with Mr. Hohenschel. I told him that I requested a meeting. He said he would look into it for me and get back to me. Um, I do want to say for the record, I asked him, uh, did you tell my son that uh, he was murdering his child? And he said, no, that's not what I said. Um, he's What he said was, if, and I interpreted it wrong. So I want to publicly apologize to him. I've been trying to reach out to him to tell him that uh, what I said was incorrect. Todd did not say that. Uh, what Mr. Hohenschel did say is that if, uh, his workers had not intervened and gone to the home when they, when they did, um, Miles might not have made it to this point. And I'm like, okay. So that was on Wednesday, February 22nd. I spoke with him. The very next day, my phone rang again. And it was Mr. Uh, Troy Abby, he spells his last name A-E-B-I, but it's pronounced Abby. He is the assistant director to the state. He works under the director for the state of uh, Oklahoma. Trying to see what her name is. Um, So he says, "I I would not be able to speak with her at that time. But I did speak with her. Um, her name is Deborah Shropshire. Shropshire. And um, she is the director of the whole state of Oklahoma for DHS. So he and I had a very, very long conversation. And I just went from A to Z. I know he has really nothing to do with what Judge Corley uh, decisions that he makes in his courtroom. But he can oversee his workers. Mm-hmm. And I explained to him from Mr. Hohenschel on down to Ms. Burdock, to Amanda LaHue, how they've you know, gone on in the courtroom and outwardly uh, purged themselves and Judge Corley did nothing about it, mm-hmm. nothing. So how does that work? I don't understand that. So anyway, he told me he's going to get back to me. He said, Ms. Hunter, this is going to take me a little while to, uh, you know, research this information. There's some things I can't tell you. So I guess I need to make a list of things and figure out 
add on my list of what he won't be able to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good thing. I felt good about that. What I intend to do is to um, get the pictures together mm-hmm. of everything and attach the pictures to my letter that I'm going to send back to him in response to his phone call so that he can actually see what I'm talking about from my end and not just from his workers in. Mm-hmm. And um, I will also send the same same thing to Mr. Holmanshaw. So I pray fully that you know these things will will open up a door and shed some light on how these people are so mean. And I told him, I said, your people are mean. Mm-hmm. I said, there's no reason to be mean to someone or talk nasty to someone because you have this position. Um, you know, somebody signs your check and you can lose your job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you need to be careful as to how you speak to people. So I leave the court. I leave the courtroom. As I said, Todd and Mr. Home uh, uh, went in front of Judge Corley uh, last week, and uh, they Judge Corley put him in contempt of court. Why? Because his headdress. He always wears a headdress. I always wear a headdress in court, but for some reason, this particular day. Um, I guess the court clerk decided that she wanted to harass Todd about his headdress. And of course, Todd speaking on, I haven't done anything wrong. I just want my son back. And Judge Corley put him in contempt for about an hour or two. Um, they, they were just mean and nasty. So mm-hmm. we're looking into seeing what we can do about that. Because you just can't put a person in contempt of court. You have to have a valid reason. But being a judge, you can do whatever you want to do because they feel like I have the power. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's where we're we're at with that. Um, so the clerk of court got upset he was wearing a headdress. Yes. So when I called the courthouse, because I've been calling around, I couldn't find my son. You know, I was kind of worried because I know how he and Mr. Judge Corley can be in the courtroom. And um, I called the clerk's office, well, I called the jail, and I spoke to Ms. Uh, Sergeant Anderson, and he's a really, really nice person. And he said, Ms. Hunter, he said, he was here, but he's gone. He said, so call the clerk's office if you want to get information. So I called the clerk's office, and the young lady said to me, well, um, you need to call the bailiff. She says, I'll give you her number. And this is the judge's chambers. So I called and I spoke with the bailiff and she said to me, well, Ms. Hunter, she says, I wasn't in the courtroom. She says, I'm never in the courtroom when it's in session. And I said, you're not? She says, no, I'm not. And so I had to think about that a little bit. And I remember she comes in, she opens up the case. Mm -hmm. You know, she comes in, she opens up, but then she leaves. And then whoever is doing the court reporting, it comes in. So I asked her, I says, well, I want to speak to Judge Corley. She said, well, you can't speak to him now. He's in a civil case. Uh, He's still in court. I says, okay. I said, so what's going on with this case right now? And she was the person that explained to me in detail um, as to May 22nd is the the trial. We'll start the trial. At that time, it'll be jury hearing and jury selection. And then they'll move on from there. And I asked her, well, how long does 
that process takes. She says, it could be sometimes a day, two days, it could be a week. She says, it all depends on, you know, what's being presented, uh, what documents are being presented to the court and uh, how long the jury needs to make decisions uh, after they go over the information. So I said, that's pretty cool. So I'm glad about that. I'm really mm -hmm. happy about that because that means that it's not just my son, Mr. Hunter, uh, Brenda Nip, the assistant district attorney, um, Mr. Seberger, who is Miles' is, uh, guardian ad litem, which he makes very rare visits to see him um, in the courtroom. And of course, Judge Crowley is somebody else now on the outside that can look in and hear the case and, and, and see it, it in its entirety for your own eyes, a different opinion. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy about that. Um, as for my son, you know, he's, he's up and down, of yeah. course. I can imagine. Um, you know, we're coming up on Miles just had a birthday, January 21st. So he's a year old now. Um, cute as a button. He's standing up and he's talking. And now he's saying, Dada. And that's the worst part of all of this, you know, that he's identifying that this is my father, Dada. He says it to him all the time. So um, it's kind of hurtful. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I just put it in God's hands. Mm hmm. Because so he hard. knows all. He sees all. And mm -hmm. if you pray, he does answer prayer. Oh, he does. You know, I can give so many testimonies to God answering prayer. Mm -hmm. So um, it works. And when you have two or more people or one another person in the room or in that room praying along with you for the same purpose, um, it's even better. It is. I thank you for coming on. Is there um, is there anything you you want to say? I don't I don't want to cut you off. Um, you know, this is kind of hard. I've been grieving a lot because um, this is the time where Alicia really started getting sick. Um, mm. This is uh, March the first. Is when Miles actually came home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was an exciting moment. We have all kinds of pictures of Todd feeding Miles and, you know, doing those type of things with him. And I saw Miles every single day up until they snatched him out of his father's arms mm -hmm. on April the 20th. So they can't say, and they don't want me to speak because I know the truth. As I said, I have documents from every day that young man, that baby was in the hospital in the NICU until he went home but they don't want me to speak because they know I know the truth. So as I said, this is coming up on the time Miles just had the birthday. It was kind of hard celebrating the birthday with him in that place, but we uh -huh. made it happen. Um, it's also coming up on Alicia passing on April the 6th next mm -hmm. month. So it, it's, it's just hard right now. It's really mm -hmm. hard. And then the next week or two after then Miles being taken illegally for no mm -hmm. reason so um, mm -hmm. um that's where we are i do keep in touch with uh the older children um the vic five i don't hear or see from them mm -hmm. and uh it's kind of sad 
So maybe this summer they'll go to North Carolina and I'll be able to see them at that time. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry you're going I to. I need my grandson. I need the baby. Need right. the baby. The baby needs to be with you because he'd be a lot safer. And, yeah. you know, I don't know what's up with these caseworkers that they just do one-sided interviews because that happened to me as well. Oh. I don't know what it is with them, but your case and my case are not the first where these people just do one-sided interviews. And as far as perjuring themselves on the stand, your case and my case are not alone. Wow. Yeah. You know, they, they, nothing happens or they get like a little slap on the hand. But the, you keep on going with the with the session in court. I mean... Judge Crowley needs to be taken down. I, that's all I got to say. Yeah, he, he, really he, he needs to be off the bench. How do I spell his name? Uh, his name is Philip Corley. C as in Charles, O-R-L-E-Y. Okay. Yeah, people like that need to be off the bench if they're just, you know... I think they know these caseworkers are perjuring because I know I know my judge did. If you yeah. because if you think about it, if they're just doing a one-sided interview, then they're they're already lying. The mm -hmm. lying's already happening on the stand. Now, if they if they truthfully said, "Well, we interviewed, you know, Miss Deborah Hunter, we interviewed all these other people and this is what we've found," then be truthful. But I really think they should just be abolished and, and uh, along with family court. It's just, um, it's just so inept and not run. It's a, it's a broken system. It will always it really be is. Even it though, really is broken. yeah, people say, well, no, it's, it's running the way they want it to, like a finely oiled machine. But no, I, I, I still say it's broken. Yes, they're getting money out of it. I understand the incentive part, but I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired too. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said to you, uh, we first spoke to set this up for today. Nobody could have ever told me that my family would be going through this. Right. Because I have told them you're lying. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. You know, I watched my family leave out of here two years ago, happy and ready to move on with their lives and build a safe place for their children where everyone could have peace of mind mm -hmm. and live on their land and work their land. And what folks don't know because they were so busy rushing to make these accusations, what folks don't know is that they were clearing the land and making things possible. Of course, it's just like a construction company. You go to a site, you have to set up. You have to set up so that you can do the task, whatever the task is for the day, for the week or whatever, whatever you're gonna take care of this, this project for it at this moment in time. And that's what Todd and Alicia were doing. Mm -hmm. And so to clear the land, I mean, it was just full of trees, beautiful land, but they had to clear the land because the plan was to, once they got the area cleared away that they were trying to clear away, then they were gonna put their mobile home there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But nobody gave them the chance. It's supposed to be a free country. I, I don't know what it's supposed happened. to be. 
And the crazy part is that her grandfather, he assisted them. He mm -hmm. gave them the, um, the, the generator so they could have lights when they first went out there to start working on the land. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's just, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I know God does not like ugly and he will fix things. Oh, he does. I've seen it. I've seen it in, with my own eyes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Most definitely. Hey, if people have any questions, how can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me through my Gmail, okay. which is uh, Queen Scholar. That's spelled Q U E E N S K O L A R one two three four at gmail.com. Or you can call me on my phone, three four seven five two two six six one zero. And you can call me anytime or send me a text message. Um, I do respond. Mm -hmm. I'm like the school, 7-Eleven. You can reach me anytime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause well, I'm a night owl. So uh, you know, I'm anytime. I'm glad you came on and gave this update. I will keep you in my prayers as well. Thank you and, so much, Marianne. And uh, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Deborah Hunter in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you again, Deborah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you.